Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking to today about the insider threat. We're talking about a new book, Insidious, why trusted employees steal millions and why it's so hard for banks to stop them. We're talking with the authors of this book, Shirley Insko and B.C. Krishna. Shirley, B.C., thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks a lot, Tom. Uh, thanks for having us, and we look forward to uh, spending a few minutes with you on uh, on this topic. Shirley, just to start out, maybe you could introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your role today, and then, B.C., you can follow up and do the same, please. Okay. Uh, thank you, Tom. I spent uh, 29 years in banking at Wachovia, first union and then Wachovia. And while I was there, I held a wide variety of positions. I started out in audit, uh, but moved around the company a lot and ended up my career with uh, many years in fraud prevention and payment strategy. During the time I was uh, in fraud prevention, I also represented Wachovia on a lot of industry projects. I co-chaired the BITS Fraud Reduction Steering Committee, uh, worked with Notch's Internet Council, ABA's Deposit Account Fraud Committee, and many other groups. And so I had the opportunity to learn not only from my experience at Wachovia, but also from my peers in the industry. I joined Memento at the end of, uh, or at the beginning of 2008, and my position there is Director of Financial Services Solutions, and I have the opportunity to continue to work with the banking industry and to understand the fraud challenges they have and help Memento design solutions to meet those, ch those challenges. So it's uh, it's uh, continuing the work that I uh, love and the passion that I have around fraud prevention. Very good. BC. Yeah, thanks, Shirley. Uh, I guess in some ways I represent the uh, the yin to Shirley's yang, or or vice versa. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm the CEO of Lamento, um, and my background is as a technologist. Um, I have a technical background. And, uh, you know, when, when, when we came across uh, the problem separately, actually, from Shirley's, uh, you know, uh, from knowing Shirley, uh, you know, we were really surprised that this was a problem uh, and, uh, you know, presented itself as a tremendously interesting uh, challenge. And so as a, as a technologist, as a software entrepreneur, it just came across as a great opportunity to build a business around. And that's really what we've been doing over the last six years or so at Momentum. Very good. Now, BC, could you tell us a bit about your book and, and yours and Shirley's motivation for writing it? Uh, sure. Um, I think that first and foremost, I just want to say that the primary goal of writing the book is to create awareness. Uh, as we have, uh, in some ways, it sort of seems like a strange uh, paradox that everybody talks about, uh, you know, it seems as everybody talks about the insider threat problem in banking, in other industries, but particularly in banking, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a sense that this is a, this is a problem. But, but this, the knowledge is, you know, I would say skin deep. And so as you dig into this a little bit more, you realize that there's a uh, fairly uh, diverse, to put it mildly, understanding of the nature of this problem and indeed the awareness of the problem. So the primary goal for us to really create awareness uh, and to put in uh, words uh, so much of what we've learned. Certainly, you know, Shirley has forgotten more about this problem than I will ever learn. Uh, but, uh, you know, over the last six years at Memento and over the last couple of years working together with Shirley, we've learned so much about the problem as practitioners, as solution providers, that we felt that it would be a good time to really capture this as a milestone in this journey. Yeah, and Tom, I would add to that, um, 
BC's exactly right. And if you look at the industry, there's a tremendous amount of work that's done around measuring losses. And that ranges from deposit account fraud. The ABA does great work there. And uh, Visa and MasterCard do a lot of good work around, you know, capturing the card losses. But frankly, there's no, uh, there's no industry standards and no measurement, no sharing of this data among financial institutions. Uh, around insider fraud. It's almost a taboo topic that banks don't want to talk about, although they recognize it's a problem. And so one thing that I firmly believe is that the first step in solving any problem is to recognize it. And hopefully uh, this book will help bring more awareness to the problem in terms of the need to uh, recognize it, uh, start sharing and collaborating among financial institutions, discussing the problem a little bit more openly, and uh, create those standards and start taking active uh, uh, steps to, pre to prevent it. Excuse me. Shirley, you make a good point. It seems that when I hear a lot about insider cases, particularly in financial services, that quite often the perpetrator might be caught but is dismissed, reparations are made to the company, and it's sort of swept under a rug because the company's embarrassed by it and they don't want the, the word to get out. But at the same time, no lessons learned get shared. Well, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, nobody wants uh, banks to lose customer confidence because of a perception of out-of-control employee fraud. But on the other hand, um, you do hear, and if, you, if you're if you really uh, watching the media, you see these stories. Um, I feel like I see a couple a week, but it's probably because I'm paying so much attention to it. You know, this bank lost $2 million, that bank lost eight. This bank had a mortgage fraud collusive ring hit them, and one of their lenders was involved, and they lost $65 million. I mean, it's, you see these stories, and that's because they are in the news. They are the big stories where they lost a lot of money, and otherwise you never hear about any of the smaller losses that they're able to keep internally. No, so it really is a, a fact that nobody really knows how big this problem is. Sure. And if I, if I if you don't mind my jumping in, but just you know, a little bit here, I think you know we like to say around the office that there are three things that are sure in life: death, taxes, and fraud. And <laughs> and you know the, the the question really is not whether, but when. Uh, and it might not be the case that you know uh, a particular institution has experienced a loss just yet. But you know, as you grow, as there's employee turnover. Um, as the environment, uh, the, in the economic environment changes, it is inevitable. I mean, it is going to happen at some point. The only question is, are you prepared to deal with it? Well, give us some context because we've heard a lot in the last year about economic conditions and how they make it just more ripe for insider fraud. How serious is the threat today to organizations, and, and how much do they recognize that? It, it is a serious threat, and I do believe that most institutions are cognizant of it. Uh, you know, our economy is, has not been good at all. Um, there's been tremendous merger activity, banks going under with the FDIC taking them over. Um, employees are feeling less secure and less loyal to their employers probably than they ever have based on um, what I read and what I hear from, from people in the industry. Uh, with that much turmoil and with all of the uncertainty in our economy and in people maintaining their jobs, there's really not any surprise that employee fraud would be up. And uh, clearly it is up. We've dedicated a chapter in our book to that uh, issue. Uh, everybody you talk to will tell you that they're seeing more employee fraud than they've ever seen before. 
It is a serious problem and uh, one that I think the industry is grappling to come to terms with. And also, you know, I think it's, it's um, you know, it's the case that uh, um, the term insider threat uh, and insider fraud, um, you know, does get uh, sort of, you know, applied in a very, very general way sometimes. And, uh, for instance, uh, one interpretation uh, of the term insider threat is when it's applied to certain types of information security IT-related challenges. You know, some, this is sometimes that sometimes what people call privileged user monitoring. Uh, you know, where you know you might you might be worried about uh, you know a database administrator or a privileged user of a system potentially having access to information that they shouldn't have. Uh, that is, to be clear, that is not the 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 particular problem that you know the book talks about. It really is about employees who have to have privileges in order to do their jobs, uh, and uh, the, and how they can they can potentially take advantage of their entitlements to actually cause losses to the organization. This might seem like a subtle difference, but it is a huge difference. Really, the focus um, of the book um, is to talk about how employees who necessarily have access to um, you know uh, the general ledger or customer accounts because their jobs required uh, are often put into positions where they can take advantage of their, of their uh, entitlements and that is a is a you know I mean I wish we could sort of trot out 15 numbers uh, Tom that say hey le- the problem is this big or that big and you know there are lots of you know uh, people that report some of these numbers but the truth is that these are all swags and uh, I think, uh, you know, we can get into some specifics to talk about, you know, uh, you know, the scenarios themselves. But I think, uh, you know, it starts with just sort of understanding the problem better. VC, what do you find to be most misunderstood about the insider threat through your experience and through your, your research for this book? <laughs> it's, you know... Um, you know, let me first say that, you know, misunderstanding is a state that you reach only after you attempt to understand. Um, and as I've alluded to, you know, uh, just in the last couple of minutes, there's a lot about internal fraud that is sort of, you know, very poorly understood. You know, bank employee fraud, to be very specific. Uh, for instance, you know, what are the schemes? You know, we, we, people talk about identity theft. Well, what exactly is identity theft in the context of, you know, employee fraud? Uh, you know, we tend to think about sort of, you know, three or four different categories of internal fraud, so just in terms of understanding them better. One is, you know, um, employees that, you know, steal from the bank's general ledger. Uh, there's a lot of that that happens. Uh, some of it is innocent and some of it is, you know, downright insidious. Uh, there's uh, schemes that relate to, you know, what we call sort of, you know, misuse of position. So, you know, you are in a position, you, the employee, are in a position where, uh, you know, as I said, you've been given certain privileges. Well, then what you do is you sort of, you know, misuse the position to do things like self-dealing, that is acting on your own account or transferring money from, you know, um, um, you, you know, certain customer accounts into your own accounts or other accounts that you control. That's the second type of scheme. That's sort of, you know, the, if the first about the general ledger is stealing from the bank, the second might be about stealing from customers. And there's a third, which, you know, often we don't think of as causing monetary loss, um, you, you know, is identity theft. You know, an employee sitting down and surfing customer accounts and stealing that information. Now, inherently, that might not cause sort of you know monetary loss, but you know, all of that ultimately comes back uh, to bite the bank in terms of uh, you know things like account takeover. 
So my point is, there's a lot about the problem that is poorly understood uh, because it's not been properly characterized. Um, how prevalent is it within the organization? What is the value from mitigation? What is the relationship between internal and external events, you know, identity theft and account takeover? What is the role of insiders in, in collusive crime rings? Now, who are these people committing these crimes? Are they long-tenured employees? Or are they, you know, new recruits, um, you know, who have an economic need or often either recruited into the organization by crime rings or threatened to commit crimes? I mean, strange as it might seem, all of those issues are prevalent, and, and I think it's important for us to really understand what these things are before we then say, hey, listen, you know, we... we uh, uh, you, you know, we misunderstand, you know, what sort of, you know, the, 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 the problem really is. And it's, these are the kinds of issues that we really felt uh, needed to be documented and understood better. And that's sort of, you know, what we've tried to cover in the book. Tom, if we have time, I'd like to add just a couple of quick comments. Yeah, please. When I started my banking career back in 1979, the world was a simple place. And I started out in the audit division, and we would occasionally, I mean rarely, have um, an employee problem. We had, you know, a, a lender who was lapping loans, or we might have a teller who stole some money out of her cash drawer. That's the era that our banking executives grew up in. And like me, that's what they saw and experienced when they were younger and in uh, hands-on positions in banking. The world has really changed, and in today's world, those problems still exist. But newer types of fraud, and BC alluded to this, uh, employees who are, you know, skimming hundreds or, or thousands of customer records to sell that to supplement their income, or employees who are actively working with an organized crime ring outside their bank and feeding data to them or following their instructions to do certain things internally, these are new crimes that uh, that didn't exist back in the days that most of us grew up in banking. And so it is a whole new world. And one thing that, that I believe is that there's a misunderstanding at some of the upper levels about these, uh, these newer types of insider crimes where employees are actively working with people outside their organization. And, in fact, some of these organized crime rings will literally place people uh, into certain institutions in order to target them. Yeah, my understanding. my understanding is that the the Economic Times have only made that that situation worse because, in some ways, it's it's an extortion. Well, I I agree with that, and I think also uh, the fact that our world has become so much smaller. It used to be that you know the crime that occurred in our banking institutions, even with organized rings, was uh, within our borders, and now a lot of it is. Uh, outside our nation where people, it's a, it's a worldwide problem. And the money is often leaving the country when it's stolen. The identity theft, you know, the customer data is, is taken outside the country and transactions are originated outside our borders to commit this identity theft. So uh, it is a much more complex problem than I believe is often understood. Sure. Yeah, I mean, where do, where do you, you know, um, you know, where do you draw the boundary between an employee stealing an identity and the use of that identity through the online channel from an Eastern European nation? I mean, for instance, you know, these are these are sort of two aspects of the same problem. Sure. And, uh, Shirley, what does your book offer in terms of preventing some of these insider crimes before they occur? 
Well, I think that it offers a comprehensive look at the nature of the problem, and it does provide a roadmap um, of how to understand these issues and some steps that, that can be taken. We didn't want to get really prescriptive in our approach with this book, and above all, this book is not about Memento or any products that we offer. It's really meant, as BC said, to be an educational effort. Uh, but we do cover a lot of issues, several issues in the book, from awareness to readiness to value, that I believe will help people understand uh, the things that need to be addressed and will help them prepare to take steps um, to, to take, you know, proactive steps to address this problem. And, you know, some of the things I need to understand is the role of data, uh, the value of analytics, how important it is to keep false positive rates down, and most of all, the importance of a flexible solution because crime and, uh, and fraud is constantly morphing and changing, and you need a solution that can change rapidly to address new things that you're seeing. So uh, we didn't really get into specifics about any general platform that people could look at or a specific approach they could take, uh, but we wanted to point out that uh, there are things that definitely they need to consider as they, uh, as they decide to proactively try to address this. Now, BC, I noticed that you do have a chapter in there that, that, that says essentially there is no silver bullet, but you offer a bit of guidance. And so my question for you is, what are some successful ways that organizations are responding to this threat now? Well, I mean, I think, um, uh, again, I'm going to sort of repeat the refrain. One, first and foremost is sort of once you become self-aware about the need to solve the problem, um, either because of some nasty incident or because of a visionary security team that you have, you know, there are a number of things that they that they need to do. I mean, there are the obvious things, which is uh, education, internal education. You know, can't bury your head in the sand. It's very important to be able to talk about this openly, to say that, hey, you know, as an organization, let's recognize that, um, you know, we've got uh, the potential for our employees to cause us harm. And, you know, organizations need to stand up and say, this could happen. And it's sort of this, you know, first step in your, uh, in any one of these sort of 10, 11 step programs is to sort of recognize the problem. So once that's done, then, then the question is, I mean, look, I mean, we approach this from a perspective that proactive monitoring is really important. It, it's important to be able to look at the um, breadcrumbs, uh, that are, uh, left behind by fraudsters, employee fraudsters, and these breadcrumbs are often in the data that is, uh, uh log data and other data that, uh, you know, is, is left behind when employees use these systems. Uh, these breadcrumbs uh, contain evidence of bad behavior and applying analytics uh, to look at these breadcrumbs and then sort of surfacing the issues um, is the obvious way to go. Um, and uh, so I would say it's sort of, you know, two or three things. One is, you know, recognizing that there's a problem, uh, creating a sense of education uh, within the organization that, that this could potentially be a problem. Uh, being, you know, really sort of, you know, uh, proactive about it by looking at the data that you do have and then identifying patterns of behavior within it. And then finally, of course, to have a team that can actually look at this. You know, you can't treat this as a, um, as a um, uh, uh, pastime. I mean, I think it has to be, you have to be really serious about sort of, you know, dealing with the alerts and the cases that are surfaced by any such effort. And people that have done that, um, you know, are seeing the benefit. 
you know, they they see, they catch fraud early. This is really the point. One of the insidious things about employee fraud in particular is that it goes on for a long time before it gets caught. You know, it might start out as a $10, you know, debit from a general ledger account, and if the employee gets away with it, it can go on for a while. And maybe eventually get caught, you know, when it, the size of the problem reaches, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars or even worse. Uh, but, you know, if you are proactive, you catch it early, and if you catch it early, you, you avoid the loss. And the weird thing about it is that in the book, we um, actually uh, 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 do this interview with um, uh, an employee. Uh, it's in the afterword. It's a kind of a transcript of an, uh, of an interview that we did with a fraud, fraud, uh, fraudster employee. And uh, it's very revealing, you know, and some of the things that you, you questions that you ask and some of the things that we've talked about, uh, Tom, are laid out pretty clearly. She starts out small. She said, my bank should have caught me. Why didn't they catch me? Uh, here's the scheme. And if you did do this, you would uh, be able to, you know, basically avoid the loss. It's pretty straightforward. I've got a question I'd like to ask each of you to close things out. And Shirley, let me toss it your way first. Given everything we've talked about here and the magnitude of the of the problem, if there's one piece of advice you could offer organizations, financial institutions in particular, regarding insider fraud, what would that advice be? It really would be not to bury their heads in the sand and to be proactive about this problem. I don't think any bank executive wants to have the situation occur where they have a multi-billion dollar internal uh, situation that leads to headlines in the local paper or even worse in these days, bloggers just chewing their institution up on the internet, uh, criticizing them. That leads to a lot of reputational damage. It leads uh, inevitably to some level of customer attrition. And so my, my, big, uh, my big word would be to be proactive. Uh, the business case for employee fraud is not difficult to pull together. And the elements of such a business case range from, you know, loss avoidance, you know, for instance, you know, what, how much would you save by an employee not stealing from the general ledger, uh, to compliance related. For instance, you know, every bank knows that there are identity theft issues that they uh, need to uh, deal with and comply with as it relates to sort of factor red flags, for instance. So it's not difficult to pull together, but, you know, as Shirley said, you know, if you kind of, you know, are ready and aware, uh, Perhaps, uh, you know, you'll take the next steps to actually address it. Very good. BC, Shirley, I appreciate your insight today. Oh, you're welcome, Tom. Thank you for the opportunity to chat with you. Thanks, Tom. Nice chatting with you. We've been talking with Shirley Insko and BC Krishna of Memento. We've been talking about their new book, Insidious, How Trusted Employees Steal Millions and Why It's So Hard for Banks to Stop Them. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.